Well, good morning. It is good to see you. Happy Father's Day to all you guys out there. Um, biological fathers, but also spiritual fathers, we appreciate you and just want to say Happy Father's Day. But if you'll look in the worship guide, there's a couple of announcements for you. You'll notice um, tomorrow, Wednesday morning, a psalm and a prayer at 9 o'clock in the sanctuary, if you can attend that. I know a lot of you will be working, but we'll start that this week. And then the pictorial directory is going on. Basically, we're going online with that, and we'd love for you to get your picture made. You can see the different ways to do that. Um, this way, we can kind of keep up with who people are and, and, and be able to look at both services and know who's a part of our church, and we can also keep it updated. Usually, when we do a pictorial directory, by the time, um, by the time it gets out, it's already outdated. So we, this way we can keep it, keep it moving and keep it live. But we're glad you're here. There's also an event um, for, for the Midsummer Birthday Bash you can read about. But we're really glad you're here. Why don't you stand up and let's greet one another and, and let everybody know you're glad they're here. I was wondering who was up here today. You can be seated. It is really good to see you. We want to welcome you here. And um, you know, I heard a lot of um, great comments about last week. Of course, I, I asked no one if you didn't like it not to tell me. So I only heard the positives, and I appreciate that. But but I want to encourage you to realize that every single worship service we have can be like that. What I mean by that is. During the songs, make them your prayers. If, if we go into, if, if Rob breaks off into a guitar solo, use that time to pray and pray for those around you. Constantly make this a prayer service where you're lifting up the things of God as we come even to the Word, asking God to help you practice those things. And so I want us to pray together and then we'll get started with the reading of Scripture. Um, who's got our Scripture today? Okay, Dr. Zeiger's got it. So let's, would you pray with me as we get ready for that? Father, as we, um, as we look toward our worship today, I pray that we will sing and make melody with all of our being, because you're worthy of that. I pray that we will give thanks this morning with our whole hearts, because you're worthy of that. I pray, God, that we would do it with everything we have, and as a deer pants for water, we would pant for you because you're worthy of that, God. I pray, Father, as we come that, that you would bless us this morning with, 
with your felt presence. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge you're here. You're here because you're omnipresent, but also you're here because you're inside of us. We know that. We don't even have to ask you to come. We know you're here, but I pray that you would manifest yourself, that we would see you, that we would hear from you, that we would feel you, that we would change. Holy Spirit, we know that that you're easily grieved and you're easily quenched. And so I pray today that we wouldn't do that, but that our eyes would be set on you. Change our hearts, open our eyes, open our ears, put a guard over our mouth and over our minds. And as you put that guard over our mouth, that we would say the things that only should be said and not say the things that shouldn't be said. But also, God, as you guard our mouth, that we would say and sing loud praises to you today. Bless this time from now the reading of your word to the singing of your word to the preaching of your word, to giving in accordance to your word. Bless everything we do, we ask, and may you be pleased. That's our prayer. And everyone said, amen. Dr. Zeiger, come read our scripture. Our scripture reading this morning is taken from Ecclesiastes. Chapter 12, verses 11 through 14. The words of the wise are like goads, and like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd. My son, beware of anything beyond these. Of making many books there is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. The end of the matter. All has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. This is the word of the Lord. All right, church, let's stay and let's continue to worship. We're going to sing a good hymn, Victory in Jesus. Let's sing it together.
song we could ever sing.
come before you and we praise you. We thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy. We love you. You're our strength. You're our rock. You're our fortress. You are our defense. It's in you that we take refuge. It's on you that we call because you are worthy to be praised. We thank you, Father, for your steadfast love, for your mercy and grace that you pour out upon us. And on this Father's Day, we thank you that you are our Father, that we can call you Abba. I thank you for my earthly father. I praise you for him, God. And Lord, I thank you. I thank you that you love us. Lord, I know that I know that there are those who who don't have earthly fathers like I was privileged to have, like others in this room were privileged to have. I know that sometimes those fathers left much to be desired. But you are our father and you are always good. So turn our eyes toward you, Lord. Help us. Help us to seek your face. We pray, Lord, that our children would follow you, that our children's children would follow you. We pray, Father, that as we see in Scripture, that up to a thousand generations would follow you. Children yet unborn, we ask that they would call upon your name long after we're gone. We lift up our families to you. We pray for this room. We pray for peace and quiet and calm. We pray that your spirit would just calm our spirits and quiet us before you so that we can hear your word and receive it. Father, I praise you. Speak to us through your word. You know the many needs that we have and we lift them to you. You know those who are sick and those who are hurting and those who are struggling and those who are just, they're one step away from losing it. I pray that you would encourage them today and that you, Holy Spirit, would control our lives today. Help us to walk in you. Help us to do everything in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Let me invite you to turn to James chapter 3. I'll tell you as you turn in, as they're going, we were down at the convention this past week in New Orleans. And um, the convention's a lot like when your favorite team's going to play, say Auburn or Alabama's going to play Louisiana Tech or, or JSU or somebody like that. And you know you're supposed to win. And, 
And as you're leading up into the week, you keep reading and hearing and think, well, maybe they got a chance to beat us, but when you get there, what's supposed to happen happens. And, um, and, and while some things happen that we don't want to happen, um, they still happen for the good. And, and so it was good. New Orleans is one of those places. Um, if you want to see what the world will become under Satan's control, there are places to see that in New Orleans. I... I just the, the smell sometimes and, and people sleeping in garbage bags and full of garbage and they're sleeping on top and doing drugs and all the things that are going on. Um, I had a, a read, one of the guys said that, um, that they were, he and a group were about to go down to the quarter and, um, and the driver said, no, don't do that. It, it was, you know, it's Pride Month. And he said, there's a parade going on. He said, and after the parade, there's going to be a, a naked bike ride. And he said, and the driver said, you can't unsee that. You can't unsee that. So, uh, but that's New Orleans. And in the midst of all that depravity, sometimes in the places where it's most depraved, there are these little restaurants that have the best food that you could ever eat. And it's like a little taste of heaven right in the midst of all the sin. And that's what we're supposed to be as a church, is this continual taste of heaven in the midst of all the sin that is there. And so we're turning to a new chapter, James chapter 3, if you have your Bibles. If you would like to know more about some of the decisions that were made in the convention, I'll be happy to talk to you about it. Don't read everything you, don't believe everything you read, but, but research it, and I'd be happy to talk to you about any of it if you want to do that. James chapter 3, starting with verse 1. If you're able, I invite you to stand in honor of the reading of God's Word. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, They are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. Then the first part of verse 5. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you. A.W. Tozer, I mentioned his book last week, The Pursuit of God. It's it's one of my top three favorite books, and, and I encourage you to read it. But A.W. Tozer said this. He said, David's life was a torrent of spiritual desire. And his psalms ring with the cry of the seeker and the glad shout of the finder. His psalms ring with the cry of the seeker and the glad shout of the finder. In Tozer's book and most of his writings, he, he shows us what we need to realize is that, that being born again is just the beginning of the journey. When we pursue God, we, we understand that when we get saved, we're brought into the race, but that's just the beginning of the race. It's not the end of the race. It's just the beginning of our pursuit of Him. It's a, a glorious pursuit of our Savior. So we seek God and we seek His presence and And we realize that we've been raised with Christ. And and as people who have been raised with Christ, we we begin to seek the things that are above where Christ is. 
We set our minds on the things above, not on the things of the earth. And, and when we do that, everything changes. Everything about our life changes. We see that here in James. He, he, he comes from a culture where, where the rabbi was held in high regard. The rabbi, like Jesus was often called rabbi, was a teacher and he had followers and, and people held him in high esteem. But it would seem that, that there were many in the church. Remember, he's writing to the 12 tribes of the dispersion. He's writing to Jewish believers. And it would seem that James is dealing with Christians who are seeking the position of the teacher for the prestige. They want the honor that comes with it. They want the ambition of man's applause. And they're not doing it for the right reasons. And so, as we've seen several times in these three chapters now, James opens with a warning. Look at the warning. Verse 1. The warning. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. There's a sense in which James is turning the page. He's, he's moving to a new topic. But he's already introduced this topic in the previous verses. For example, in chapter 1, verse 19, he told us to be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. In chapter 1, verse 26, he, he introduces the idea of bridling the tongue. He says, if you don't bridle the tongue, then, then, then you make your religion worthless. He continues this idea, but he's, he's given a specific warning to the teachers. Why is this so important? Why is it so important that we make sure teachers are doing what they're supposed to do and that you make sure the preacher is doing what he's supposed to do? Why is it so important? Because James has told us that we're born again through the word of truth. God uses the Bible, he uses the word of truth to, to save us. We, and when we, when we are born again, he implants his word. You remember he said the implanted word comes inside of us. It's how we grow in holiness, through the implanted word. As, as, as the spirit comes in, as Jesus comes in through his spirit, now the word of God is active in our life and, and, and it begins to teach us. And we saw in James the law of liberty and, and, and we learn to obey that law. That's done through teaching. It's done through study. The teacher is gifted by God to, to show us the hope to which we've been called. The teacher, man or woman, is, is gifted by God to show us the riches of our inheritance. The teacher shows us the power by which God has saved us, and it's all through his word. So when a pastor or when a teacher, man or woman is a teacher, when, 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 when the man is a pastor and the man and woman is teachers, when we begin to seek man's applause, when we begin to submit ourselves to other people's approval, rather than to follow God's call, it leads us into a dangerous place. It puts the church and it puts the believer in a dangerous position. Jesus spoke of those who, who love the place of honor, those who, who love to be called rabbi, and, and, and Jesus warned us about them. He warned that those people will lead you astray. So James, his brother, picks up on this and he warns us that, that those who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Pastors and teachers are to be above reproach. We often think of the pastor and say, well, the pastor's to be above reproach, but, but we need to understand that, that the pastor is to be, that the Sunday school teacher is to be, that the missions teacher is to be that the discipleship leader is to be, that we're all to be above reproach when we teach the word of God. Parents, as you teach your children, 
You should be above reproach. You see, it's not that we just teach the word. We worry about what's being taught. So we have to be concerned with, with just what we teach about what the word says, but also how we live out what the word says. Because we've all seen those who preach the word and what it says, but live a different manner, and it causes damage to the church. A teacher puts himself or herself before others week after week. We, we open the Word of God in Sunday school classes or in other top t- teaching situations or here from the pulpit. I, I stand before you and I open the Word of God week after week. And, and what I say is important because what you say is important because eternity rests on our rightly dividing the Word of truth. It's easy to lead someone astray. So should you just refuse to be a teacher? I mean, if we're going to be judged with greater strictness, let's just not be a teacher. Let's just not be a preacher. Let's, let's tell Mason, hey, don't go to seminary. Don't do that. Let's tell Josh Warren, don't go do that. Just, let's get out of that because you know you're going to be judged with greater strictness. No, no, that's not it. If God has called you, if God has gifted you to teach and to preach, you'll be judged for not doing it. You'll be judged for not doing it, but, but when you do it, do it for the right reason. Do it because you're called. Do it for the glory of God. Do it because, like Jeremiah said, there's a fire inside your bones and you can't help but do it. Do it because you want to glorify the God who's called you to do it. Do it so that you can teach others and let others see through the word of God the riches of their inheritance and become like Christ. So that's the warning. But then we come to the second point. This is only two points today. But look at the key to holy living. The key to holy living. When you read verses two through five, you may be tempted to say, where's the key to holy living in this? Well, I want to show you. I'm going to try to show you because it is an incredible thing that James is teaching us. Look at what he says in verse two. For we all stumble in many ways. Let's just stop there. I've quoted that verse a couple of times since we started, James. That word stumble, if you like to write things down, it speaks of being ruined. It speaks of being defeated. It just speaks, speaks of making a mistake. It also speaks of, of just sin. And so what James is saying is we all sin in many ways. Now, James is not excusing sin. He's not saying, well, we all sin, so we might as well sin. That's not what he's doing. He's he's calling us to holiness, but he knows that as long as we're in this body of flesh that we're going to battle with sin, and and though we ought to sin less than we sinned a year ago, we're growing in that, and we'll continue to fight that battle until we get glorified, until we're in the presence of God. So he's not excusing it. He's just stating the obvious. We all sin in many ways. We all stumble. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, look at this, he's a perfect man. He's a perfect man. What in the world does James mean by that? You mean if I can learn to control, if I could just cut out my tongue, I could be perfect? Well, let's, let's make sure we understand. Go back to chapter one. This, I don't think this is on your screen because I forgot to tell him to put it on there. But look at chapter one, verses two through four. This will help us understand the word perfect. Count it all joy, my brothers, sisters, 
when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. You see that? Perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Same word. And the idea is this, is that we'll be mature. So when James says that, that, that if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's, he's, he's a perfect man. He's saying he's mature. He's growing in the faith. Mature and complete. Not perfect in terms of sinlessness. That will happen when we're glorified in heaven. But perfect in terms of Mature that we're growing in our faith. Why? Why would James say this? He says he is a perfect man able to bridle his whole body. Why would he say that? Why does James say that if we can control our tongue, we can control the whole body? Well, first let's look at two illustrations that he gives us. And the first one is a bit, a bit. Put a bit in a horse's mouth and you can control it. It doesn't matter how large it is, how strong it is, how powerful it is. If the horse has been trained, if you put a bit and a bridle in its mouth, it will turn where you tell it to turn and go where you tell it to go and stop where you tell it to stop. And even the smallest toddler who's been trained with that rein can take that thousand pound horse or more than a thousand pound horse and direct it wherever it's supposed to go. That horse could crush us. It could crush us, but, it, but it, it doesn't because it's controlled. The bit controls the horse. And then the second thing is the rudder. Look at the ships also, he said. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. Now, if you go to New Orleans, you have to go to Cafe Du Monde, right? You go down to the French Quarter, you, you got to get beignets, and you got to get their coffee. And if you're there, you're by the river, so you might as well go look up the river. And so we're up at the river looking, and these huge ships are coming up river. Some of them are, are being driven by the barge at this moment. They're being directed. But some of them are coming in with a captain, and, and those ships are huge. And, and the truth of the matter is, if we were to put the rudder of some of those ships in this room, it would be huge. But it's very small compared to the whole ship. The small thing directs, controls the direction of the big thing. The small bit controls and directs the horse. The small rudder controls and directs the ship. And that's the idea here, is that it's under control, the idea of control. And so when James is talking about the tongue, he's saying if we can control the tongue, if we can give the pilot of our life, the Holy Spirit, the tongue, he can control our entire life. This is where we begin to see the key to holy living. Verse 5, so also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. The scripture says a lot about the tongue. I'll give you a couple of verses. Psalm 39 verse 1. It says, I said that I will guard my ways that I may not sin with my tongue. I will guard my mouth with a muzzle so as long as the wicked are in my presence. Psalm 19, 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Now, next time we're going to see in verses 5b and following the destructive power of the tongue but I want to show you what James says and why he says this and why this is the key to holiness. 
Why does David pray, for example, in Psalm 141.3, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth, keep watch over the doors of my lips? Why does David pray that way? What we say is really just the tip of the iceberg, isn't it? From time to time, you will, like, if you're like me, you blurt out something and you say, I didn't mean to say that. Yeah, you did. You just didn't mean for you to hear me say that, right? I meant to say it. I just didn't want you to hear me say it. Because here's the deal. Words are just the fruit of the heart. Words are just the fruit of the heart. Understand this. You think about it. You control everything about you when you control words. It's kind of like this. I, I, in my car, when we used to travel with the girls a lot, one of the things I cannot stand is to be driving down the road at, at the speed limit, plus or minus, and be going down the interstate and one of my girls to lower one of those back windows. You know that sound? It's not the window, it's just your eardrums pop. And I cannot stand that sound unless I lower mine too. And it just won't happen. So, so I've got this little button by my, by my buttons. It locks the windows. And so my girls may want the window down because they don't like the temperature of the car or they may not like something else, but they can't lower the window even though they've got a button to lower the window because I've got the control. Now, I don't control Kim's window. I'm not dumb. She can lower it if she wants to lower it. But the tongue's like that. When we give the Holy Spirit the control of our words, He has the reins He has the rudder to our life. If I control what I say, I'm controlling what I think. Why is that? Because you think in words. You think in words and then you speak what you think. You communicate to yourself in words. And when you can control that, when, when we can set our minds on the things above, which means we have to systematically put to death what is earthly in us. Paul tells us in Colossians 3, to set your mind on things that are above and not on the things that are of the earth. Set your mind. Set your mind on the things of God. And then he says, Put to death, and he lists them. Look at it. Put to death what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Put those to death. Nail them to the cross day after day after day. But then he picks up and he tells us to also put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. He tells us we do it by, this is Peter. Peter Peter comes back and he says, put it away and long for the pure spiritual milk of God's word like babies because by it we grow. 
Set your mind on the things of God. Long for the things of God. Search the word of God and let the word of God take over your thoughts and over your actions. And then you'll find that it's taken over your words. You'll speak things that please God. Paul says in Romans that we are to present our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. He says in the next verse, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your minds. See that? Transformed by the renewal of your minds, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Words matter. Words matter when we speak them, and words matter when we think them. No one else may hear what you're thinking. Sometimes Kim can tell what I'm thinking just by the look in my face. My face is not hard to read. I can tell you, Priscilla can tell you when, when I'm tired of her talking in my office and I'm ready to go back to what I'm doing. I just kind of glaze over and sometimes you come into my office, or not you, you Priscilla's the one, you, if you come, I, you get my undivided attention, okay? Um, <laughs> because I'm counseling you, and we're spending there. But, but Priscilla knows, if, and you can ask her. She tells everybody who comes to work for us, if he's in there studying, you got about, how long, Priscilla, a minute? A minute to tell me what you need to tell me, because I'm glazing over after that. My face is not hard to read. You say something around me, and, and my gift of sarcasm wants to come out, my eyes light up. I'm trying to kill that right now, church. I am. I'm honestly trying to put it to death. Words matter when we speak them. Words matter when we think them. Because when we allow the Word of God to be the focus of our thinking, when we allow the Word of God to be the point of our meditation, when the Spirit of God begins to control our mind through that implanted Word, His Word changes our words. That's the goal. I don't mean by that that you're always walking around quoting Scripture. I don't mean that you're doing that constantly. I just mean that the Word of God is shaping how you talk and what you say and what you think and, and how you respond to things. The Word of God is shaping that. We, the words we think and the words we speak, now just think about it. You plan your goals with words, don't you? Even before you write them down, if you're one of those goal writers, you get all your list of things to do and your goals, you're thinking them before you write them down. It's words. When you're, when you're, looking, at, when you're looking at revenge, you do it with words. You're planning in your head how you're going to get them back and what you should have said and what you will say if you ever get another chance to say it. You're doing it with words. You even lust with words and images. The tongue is just like a bit. It's just like the rudder. It represents a very small part of us, but it controls the entirety of our being. And if you learn to let the Holy Spirit control it, you can control the body and you can control the mind. And that's the key. That's the key to holy living. Learning to control, learning to let the Holy Spirit control the words. The words that you think and the words that you say. What's the secret? 
I've been referencing Colossians a lot lately, but if, you, if you're astute, you probably have figured out Colossians may be the next book I preach. I've just been in it a lot lately. But in Colossians 3, some of those verses we've already put up, we'll put up again. Seek the things that are above. Set your mind on the things that are above. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Put them all away. Put it to death. Seek the things. Put on the new self. Put on then as God's chosen ones. Put on love. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach, admonish one another. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Put your mind on the things of God. Put your mind on the word of God and let the word of God begin to shape how you speak and how you live. Psalm 119.9, how can a young man, how can a young woman keep his way, keep her way pure? By guarding it according to your word. We all memorize, if you grew up like I did, Psalm 119.11, I grew up memorizing it this way. I have hidden your word in my heart. I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Finding a way to allow the Spirit to replace our words with His words That's the key to holiness. The key to holiness is allowing the Spirit to replace our words with His words. That's the key to holy living. It's the key. I've been asking God for for a while now to set a guard over my eyes, to set a guard over my mouth, to set a guard over my mind to set a guard over my heart. I'm specifically daily asking the Holy Spirit to strengthen my inner being so that Christ can dwell in my life, so that he can be at home in my life. Let me ask you a question today. How's your mouth? How's your mouth? What are you known for at work? What are you known for at home? What do they think of you when they think about the things you say and the things you do? How are you doing with the words? The words here that come out and the words here. How are you doing with those things? How much of God's word controls you? I told you several weeks ago, I'm doing my best to kill sarcasm in me. It's hard. For 57 years, I've been sarcastic. And it's hard. Kim can tell you, "Mm, he's doing better. I say, I'm doing better. But she's, "Mm, you're doing better. Um, I understand. I'm I'm not there yet. But I long for God. I want to be like God. Paul prayed in Ephesians 3 that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That he may dwell in your hearts. That word dwell means to be at home. Is Christ at home in you? I don't mean is he in you. Is he at home in you? I may come to spend the night at your house and I could be welcome, but I'm not at home there because it's not my house. Is Christ at home in you? 
I think as we look at our life, we, we have to invite him in our life as he comes in to save us. But we need to, to understand that sometimes he's going to add some things and sometimes he's going to take some things away. There are some hurt things and broken things that he has to reconstruct. And, and there are some things that need to be reworded. And there are some things that need to be rearranged. You've got to let the Holy Spirit do what he wants to do in your life so that you can be pleasing to him and he's at home with you. Amazon's amazing to me. and um, Some of you may not like it, but I, I love it. I ordered a book. Yesterday was Saturday. I ordered a book Friday. And it came in the mail yesterday. It's a book by R.T. Kendall. And, and I thought it was a book about how we can become sensitive to the Holy Spirit. But it's a book, it's a book, bless you. It's a book about the sensitivity of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is easily grieved. You can say something that's out of line. He is easily grieved and he's easily quenched. He is sensitive. He is. In the book, I was reading it yes, last night, he talked about this family that, that moved to Jerusalem. They felt God calling them to be on mission in Jerusalem. And so they moved there and they moved into an apartment. And right as they moved in there, two turtle doves took up residence in the windowsill. And they were thinking about the significance of the dove and the Bible and those things. And they thought, man, this is a sign from God that we're on the right track. But they, they began to notice something about those doves. Whenever they were loud in the house, if doors were slammed or, or maybe they were watching something and they, they jumped up and yelled, the dust would fly away. But whenever they were quiet and just mingling together, eating dinner together, doing something else, the doves would stay. And they were talking about how much they wanted the doves to stay. And they said, you know, those doves aren't going to adjust to us. If we want them to stay, we'll have to adjust to them. And here's what I want you to know about the Holy Spirit. He will not adjust to you. The Holy Spirit will not say, that's just John, he's sarcastic. He's not going to say, that's just so-and-so. He tells dirty jokes. He's not going to be like the woman my, my daughter had at Sanford who said, y'all, I'm a God-fearing woman, but I cuss like a sailor. He's not going to adjust to us. If we want him at home in us, we must adjust to him. And so if he tells us it's wrong in his word, then we don't do it. And if he shows us in his word that it's a, a, against him, then we confess it and we repent and we work. And what we seek to do is to let him have the reins. Let him have the ship. And let him take us where we need to be. Amen? I want to thank you for your patience in the situation we've dealt with today. Obviously, we have a young man who's autistic and has struggles. And it's not easy. They just walked out, so I'll say it. It's not easy. But just imagine dad. We're trying to start a new class for older children who have issues that need help. And maybe they might feel more at home and families could have a break. But I just want you to pray for that dad. That's all the time for him. 
not just for a few minutes. So we can put up with outbursts. And I just want to say thank you. I know it's not easy. But thank you for the way you responded even in that. That's a sign of the Spirit in our church. I want to ask you to bow your heads for a moment. If we walk in the Spirit, Paul says we do not gratify the desires of the flesh. There's never been a moment you've sinned in the Spirit. It's always been because you stepped out of the Spirit, took back the reins, and took back the steering wheel and controlled your own life. I just want to ask you to think about your mouth. Think about the words that you say and the words that you think and how the Word of God impacts that. Think about those things and ask the Holy Spirit what He'd have you do today. What does the Spirit want of you today? I'm having to do it day by day, moment by moment, and so are you. But it's the most freeing thing in the world when the Spirit has control of your life. It's the most freeing thing in the world. Father, thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for coming inside of us who profess faith in Jesus. And thank you that you desire to teach us and to lead us and to show us how to be more like Christ. You show us that it is Christ in us that's the hope of glory. And I pray, Father, that we would walk in your spirit. Especially in this area of words. There's not a person in this room who can't work on their words. I'm the chief among them. So would you help us? Would you help us in our thinking to be conformed to your word? In our speaking to be conformed to your word? May we in all things, all things, seek to be under your leadership, under your guidance. Use the word again, under your control. Help us, God. Help us, I pray. In Jesus' name. Would you just pray this one simple prayer? Holy Spirit, what would you have me do? Whatever that is, you be faithful to that. That's my prayer. If I can help you, I'll be right over here. Tim is here. Mark's over here as well. We'll help you in any way we can. Let's stand together and sing. You be obedient to the Lord.
praying for those kind of things. God answers those things. Give me a pure and holy passion. Give me a hunger for your word. Give me a hunger for prayer. Give me a hunger for your presence. God's pleased by that. And if you ask anything according to his will, he'll do it. And I know his will is that you would have a hunger and a passion for him. I just want to encourage you that setting a guard over your mouth is a daily prayer, but it's not just first thing in the morning and you're good. It's day after day after day, isn't it? Moment after moment after moment, especially for smart Alex like me. You just got to keep on, keep on praying that prayer. Donna, would you come here? This is Donna Newman. Um, some of you may have thought she's already a member, but she's coming to join our church. And so if you just welcome her, would you let it be known by saying amen? Amen. amen. And she's going to be right up here. Come by and see her and let her know how glad you are that she's joining our church. Would you pray with me as we close? God, thank you. Thank you for Donna coming. Thank you for others who, who are part of our church and those who, who, are, who are actively involved and those who are praying about being actively involved. Just bless them and bless us and help us to be faithful to be men and women after you. In Jesus' name, amen. Before you leave, if you're ready, you can go right out those doors and over in the courtyard, there's a, there's a people taking pictures and you can get your photo made now. If you want to do it later, you can do it, but make sure and don't forget Wednesday morning at nine o'clock, if you can come in the sanctuary, Psalm in a prayer. God bless you. Come see Donna. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for coming.